right, welcome back. It's week six of the Montana Mid Sports Podcast. If you're a Montana or a Montana State fan, this season couldn't be going any better. After this weekend, how are you feeling, Bear Tycoon? I, I'm feeling so good that I'm I'm worried that this is just going to all fall apart. It's going to be a terrible injury. Like- There's going to be something that goes wrong to take me off of this high. But no, the Grizz, uh, the Cats looking pretty pretty good. What a win! So you're saying you're kind of feeling grid. like it was a good win. You're kind of feeling like that Nickelback song where it's like something's got to go wrong because I'm feeling way too damn good. Yeah, actually, it speaks exactly to me. like that, right? That speaks to me exactly like that. Thank you. How do you feel? You were at the game. Um, amazing! It was an unbelievable atmosphere at Bobcat Stadium. It was freezing cold, 35 degrees at kickoff. Some rain, some snow, some sleet. But uh, all in all, it was absolutely amazing. We'll get to the Cats and the Grizz game a little bit later. But this week, since it was, uh, we're going to celebrate week one of the Big Sky Conference schedule coming to an end. And how amazing it was to get into conference season. It just goes to show, I mean, there were a lot of fun games. It goes to show how much better conference play is. I'm so excited it's here. We had a great out-of-conference schedule. But this weekend... Uh, Made me very happy. A lot of, not a lot of surprises, you know, looking at the top of the big sky standings, we have the two Montana schools, Cal Poly, um, Idaho state, Northern Colorado, Sacks, uh, Sac state, I guess not Sac state. That's just who, who we thought we'd be there. It's undefeated in uh, big sky conference play. Um, it's uh, I don't know, dude, it's just so good. So good to be here. It is. And so we, we got that, we got that feeling of we're watching our teams play. And then you look at that scoreboard and you know exactly who the other teams are playing. You're not playing like a Norfolk state or a St. Francis when you don't know if they're from Pennsylvania or from Illinois or from New York, where the hell's Monmouth. We don't know, but we do know where Cal Poly is, where Weber is, where North Dakota is. So really fun to start that conference play because like we were saying, at least, you know, where they're from these games actually matter. So you could have lost all of your out of conference games. If you win each one of your conference games, you're going to the playoffs. So, Let's start out with the, the the bottom of the barrel, if you will. We were treated to a Cal Poly Southern Utah game. Yep. Great in game. Cedar City, I think, Utah. That's right. In the middle of nowhere, Utah. Gorgeous area, though. Zion Park and all that stuff. But we did have Cal Poly gutting it out against the worst team in the Big Sky Podcast Network's power poll. Yep. 24-21 over Southern Utah. This game, for me, bodes well for the weekend game the Cats have coming up against Cal Poly. Did you fall asleep watching this game, or did you not even care about it? I, Truth. Yeah, I want to be true to everybody here. Did not watch a second of this game, but was following the score. Um, and I feel like Cal Poly is, over the past you know four or five years, it's been the exact same story with them, where they're not good enough to be consistently towards the top of the standings, but just the way they play, uh, the weapons they have, they can beat anybody. The fact that they struggle against Southern Utah, that, I mean, I feel like we can count the cats in for a lock win this weekend. Um, But I, you know, I I don't think you can count Cal Poly out of any game. I don't think they're an easy out for the top tier of the conference. No, and they run the gimmicky triple option offense. So it's always interesting to see that. Uh, and Cal Poly, you know, we thought they may have a new offense when they won that first game of the year against San Diego. Well, they're back to their old ways. They were four of six passing over the weekend. (laughs) So six total passes, 55 yards. So Cal Poly back to that triple option. The quarterback play was, uh, one and done. It looked like, 
Yeah, well, uh, for their quarterback Jalen Hamer. Yeah, he got hurt too during the game. Um, I do after four passes, he was pulled. Yes. Yeah. Was he pulled or did he get hurt? I have no idea. Yeah. He did have two touchdowns though. Oh, rushing. That's pretty good. Um. Yeah. So but I know he he's banged up because on Big Sky Big Takes we had we found a Cal Poly podcast. There is one. Came out. Uh, did great. Owen Maine. He runs Fansmanship. Um, and he came talk some Cal Poly football. Said they. You know, he was banged up, but is supposed to play this this week. Thank God. Oh, yeah. Uh, Cal Poly also uh, lost three fumbles that game. So they they were putting the ball on the ground a lot. Um, And that, you know, to me, they're not going to do that every game. So uh, that, that may attribute to the to the score. Yeah, so that's Cal Poly Southern Utah. I don't want to spend too much time on the the bottom tier game of the week. Uh, as we move up, uh, the next one I wanted to look at was Portland State and Idaho State. We really didn't know what Idaho State was all about mm-hmm. at all. We really didn't know what Portland State was all about. Both of them didn't play much, me- uh, many meaningful games out of conference this uh, uh, during this season. Idaho State came out of that one pretty well unscathed with a 51 to 24 win over Portland state. Yeah, I know they, I mean, Matt struck. This is a pretty good line. 16, 25, 343 yards, six touchdowns. Um, there was a quarterback controversy in Idaho state. Their backup retired. Not anymore. Yeah. Backup retired either immediately before or after this game. I think it was immediately after. Um, so Idaho state, I have been, I, I've been saying this, for a few weeks, I think they have the potential to be a very uh, have to be a good team in the Big Sky Conference uh, and towards the top. But I don't think they have potential to be a playoff team just based on both their uh, in conference and out of conference schedule. Yeah, and Idaho State was up forty-one to ten at the ha- at halftime of this game against Portland State. We don't think Portland State's going to be a contender at all. They're you know down at the bottom of our power rankings. Uh, they had that one good year under Coach Barnum three or four or five years ago, whatever that was. But they're not much of a not much of a team to be worried about right now. Idaho State uh, with Matt Struck, just a continued line of really good Big Sky quarterbacks. It looks like, and again, it's against Portland State, so we can't get too crazy. Troy Anderson had an amazing game against Portland State on the ground last yeah. year, so it's not yeah. like Portland State's going to be stopping any kind of quarterback, whether it's a running or a passing quarterback. But Matt Struck looked like the real deal with five touchdowns even before halftime. So yeah, no, he was on he was on pace for ten touchdowns. Didn't quite get it. So Portland State really stepped up in that second half to hold him to only one uh, touchdown pass. So what's amazing uh, Portland, is that Portland even, State's a second half team. Even with the drubbing that uh, they had at Idaho State, Portland State total defense when it comes to average yards per game still number one in the Big Sky Conference. If you can believe it, and that's probably because of their their schedule. But still, I mean, we're five games in. That's that's pretty impressive. That is impressive. So, like I said, um, you know, Idaho State going to come into Washington Grizzly with a little bit of mo mm-hmm. this weekend, big time, uh, with a great passing quarterback. We'll get to that game a little bit later when we kind of break down the the two Montana teams. So we won't spend too much time looking at that. So Portland State zero and one, Idaho State goes to one and zero. The next game we wanted to look at was Eastern Washington bouncing back against. Kind of Big Sky Conference foe, but not really Big Sky Conference foe because they're not in the conference anymore. But Big uh, Eastern Washington gets the 35-20 win over North Dakota. Again, a reminder, this was a conference game for Eastern Washington, even though North Dakota isn't in the conference anymore. But a 35-20 bounce back after the loss to Idaho on September 21st. 
What are your initial thoughts seeing Eastern come back against a team that was flirting with the top 25 in North Dakota? I mean, it's a great win. I think that we have probably been a little too, we, the, the recappers of the world, the podcasters of the world, maybe been a little too, uh, down on Eastern and Davis, frankly, um, after the Grizz loss that, you know, oh, something terrible has happened to them. I think they're still a great team. I, they, you know, they may need to win out to make the playoffs, but they have the talent to do so. And what I always kind of try to remind folks is, you know, it, a loss here and there, this happens to good teams. If you look at like every Super Bowl champion in the world um, that, that we've ever had, there's a ugly loss on their schedule somewhere um, I guess besides the Patriots and the Dolphins but yeah good teams lose and you can't overreact to those losses and I think that happens yeah. a decent amount of the time you know for, for example sure, the it's something we want to Cowboys, talk about we want them to lose 93 Cowboys this is a great team Super Bowl champs they lost to the Redskins 35-16 opening game Redskins topical. record that very year, topical Redskins record that year four and 12 so we were seven years old when that game was played yeah I, I remember it vividly. Vividly, yes. Little little bear tycoon in his in his uh, Denver Broncos pajamas <laughs> watching that Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, but you're right. No, I think one thing too is when you're a Montana State or a Montana fan, you do want Eastern Washington to lose. You want them to be weak again, selfishly, because you want a chance at the top of the conference again, the crown that Eastern has worn the last five years. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so but the one big thing that I took from this game when I when I when I looked at the box score was Eastern went totally 180 of what they are used to. So Eric Barrier, 6 of 15, so only 15 pass attempts, 93 yards and zero touchdowns. So not the Eastern that you're thinking of QBU, you know with yeah. uh, Gage Gabrud, you know Barrier when he came in last year, a couple of his games this year, but they rushed the ball 62 times yeah, on Saturday. Wild. Antoine Custer, 28 carries for 134 yards. Silas Pariah, Pariah, Perrier, I don't know. 23 carries for 126 yards and a tug. And then Barrier had his touchdown on nine carries. But 284 yards on 62 carries, that is not the Eastern Washington that we are used to. So it was a little bit surprising to see that this is how they got their win. And it may go right into my theory that Barrier is a massive step down from Gage Gabrud, and we just didn't see it last year at the end of the season. Yeah, Barrier, yeah, he looked good at when he played last year, right? Like, when he came in for Gabrud, he looked good. Yeah, he, I mean, nice, he did. But, yeah, admittedly, yes. Um, but, no, I I agree. Um, I, I think that you know, at the beginning of the season, actually, let me see. I got this written down here somewhere. Eastern Washington, I flagged that they had lost – way more um, of their starters than anyone else in the big sky. Um, you did. You were the first to report that. Sources yeah. said, and then you confirmed. Sources said. I was the source. Um, but in terms of total offense lost, and so yardage into into their totally, uh, like, not, not the quarterback, but receivers, tight ends, running backs, they lost 51% of everything from last year. And they lost – almost all of their uh, total passes defended. So they're, they're cornerbacks uh, and, and pass defenders. I mean, they, we assume that it's like, all right, this is a good school. You're going to, you know, you don't rebuild, you replace, you retool. Um, yep. Maybe this is just a little down blip in the radar, but I'm, I'm still, uh, you can't write off Eastern Washington. No. And a little interesting note 
North Dakota State, or I'm sorry, just North Dakota, University of North Dakota, their quarterback, Nate Ketteringham, was actually Sac State's quarterback like four years ago. And I still don't know how he has any eligibility left. <laughs> but he's still in the league. He had a sh- horrible game, 19 of 43. Oof. Three interceptions, one touchdown. Not a good day for Nate Ketteringham. Uh, we share the same name, but not the same skills. Yeah. No, I think you could probably have a higher completion rating than he did. Probably, but yeah, so that was just a little little bit of a, a, a side about North Dakota. We don't talk about them anymore because they're independent and yep. they left us. Which... When do they actually leave? Do we know? I think it's next year. Okay, good. But I'm not going to look it up again, but I think it is. Yeah. Just so that was North Dakota, Eastern Washington. <laughs> way too confusing. Eastern, 1-0 in conference because that Idaho loss did not count into the Big Sky, count, uh, Big Sky Conference standings. Correct. If you forgot. You might have forgot. I did not. You didn't forget. Okay, good. Well, just a reminder for all you out there that did forget. So that was that. Uh, we have to go. We're going to leave, I think, our ears and my favorite for last, besides the Montana schools. Uh, so we're going to go to Weber State's drubbing of Northern Iowa, which was a massive win for Weber State, 29-17. to 17. Northern Iowa at the time, I believe, was the number 10 team in the country. I think that's right. Yeah, they were very high up. Very high up, top ten ish. Uh, Weber State was at number five, I believe, at the time. So yeah. number five team knocked off the number ten team, but uh, just getting that top ten win is is always massive. If we wanted Weber to prove anything, we saw it here. I don't think they really needed to prove anything. We thought they were pretty good going into this game. They are very good. They were up twenty to three in the first quarter alone. Kind of just came out, surprised the Panthers, and got them on their heels early. But it looks like Weber is who we thought they were. Well, I think I think that's right. They're a tremendous defense, um, and that's about all you can say. Like even in this win, if I'm a Weber fan, I'm concerned about the offensive production this team's able to to put out on the field. Overall, in the Big Sky Conference, uh, dead last when it comes to yards per game, total offense, uh, yards per game, passing offense. They are only three yards better than Cal Poly per game. Wow. Who? That's not who you want to be compared a triple with. option. <laughs> it's insane. There are one, two, three, four, five teams in the Big Sky Conference that average more than double Weber State's passing yards per game. It's a huge liability. Their defense, unquestionably great. We saw them beat up on, on North Iowa. Uh, we saw them beat up or, or hold strong on two FBS teams. Unquestionably a great defense, but that off if they don't get that offense going, uh, I mean, they're going to be top of the big sky, but they're not beatable. I mean, they're, they're beatable, and I, I can't see how this translates into a playoff, a deep playoff run for them. Yeah, and when you look at Weber's, just like, I just love looking at Weber's rushing attack. And it, or its lack of rushing attack. So they had 36 carries for 66 yards on Saturday. <laughs> so That's an average of 1.8. And they had a long run um, by Rashid Shahid for 15 yards. So if you take out just that one long run, they were at basically 50 yards rushing on 35 carries. It's so bad. Which is unbelievably horrible. Uh, when it came to passing, Caden Jenks was the starter in this game. 219 yards on 19 completions. He did have two touchdowns, but just uh, struggle offensively. I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd honestly have to look back. I don't know for sure what kind of offensive teams 
um, or I'm sorry, defensive teams they've played. If if they played some pretty weak defensive teams, which has allowed them to score enough points to win these games. But Weber State, like you said, very one sided, amazing defense. But this offense is is going to be susceptible susceptible uh, when you have to play a great defense and you can't put points up on the board because your defense isn't going to score enough points to hang with some of the best offenses in the in the Big Sky Conference. So a great win though for Weber. Great win. When Great can, win. Anytime you can, at home or on the road, if you can beat a top 10 team, you got to be feeling pretty good. Yeah. No. And they, you know, they're relying, they have the second highest turnover margin in the Big Sky Conference. Um, they're not turning the ball over on the offensive side of the ball. So I, I, that might be the nicest thing we can say about their offense. But so far, that's been good enough for them to be considered the top team in the Big Sky. Yeah, and so then without getting uh, – because we'll go over the Montana State win over Northern Arizona and the massive Montana win over UC Davis. But huge win. Our favorite – huge win. Our favorite game of the week. Northern Colorado, the team that on multiple podcasts, every, the general and majority consensus was that they would not win a game this year. Yeah. We made fun of Greeley. We made fun of – we made – spent – a minute making fun of Greeley last week on the podcast. Rightfully so. And rightfully so. I mean, that doesn't go away, but everything culminated in a win over the former FBS Idaho Vandals coming off the biggest win in their program's history in the last 25 to 30 years, regardless of what conference division level they were at. 27, 24, Bears. Unbelievable. Truly unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, we, I mean, we hinted about this last week that this was something, you know, the bear, it just, Idaho was just a little too high on themselves. That win against Eastern, incredible. Good for you. It is a win. It's like when you're a bad golfer and you have like one really long putt, you can walk off the course, be like, all right, that was a pretty good day. Remember that long putt I had? They're just they're a bad football team and they're gonna be able to leave this season with like, well, we had that great win over Eastern. Remember that? Eastern. <laughs> they're not good enough to put uh consistent wins together. Losing to Northern Colorado is such a stain on this team. Uh Paul Petrino, he maybe he spent some of his four hundred thousand dollar annual salary on some celebratory beers after Eastern Washington and couldn't get up to to game plan for the Bears, but I mean what what an embarrassment. What an a absolute garbage game. Oh, yeah, you a garbage game. And to their credit, the two resident Vandal fans that we have uh via the Montana or the Big Sky Podcast Network, they were they were very humble. They were very cautious. And I think it was the other members of the network who got a little high on Idaho, me included. I my in our betting <laughs> In our betting, our weekly betting segment that we do, I took them as my game of the week, which is worth two points. I they were minus, they were nine point favorites over the Bears. I made a big mistake, big time mistake, big mistake. I forgot they had Mason Petrino at quarterback, the coach's <laughs> son, two touchdowns, but three interceptions, and that's not going to get the job done. But that's also the, I go ahead, what's that? go ahead, go go ahead. Well, Idaho, Idaho was up seventeen to seven at halftime, so I was looking pretty good. I was like, okay, this game is playing out the way that I thought it was going to play out. The Bears come out, get a field goal. Now it's 17-10. I'm like, okay, I'm not covering right now. Idaho comes right back, scores a touchdown. They're up 24-10. I'm thinking I'm pretty good. Nope. 
17 unanswered points by the Bears in the end of the third and into the fourth quarter, and they knock off the Idaho Vandals. But that's only part of the story. It's that's only yeah, that part of the only story. The, the the main part, and truly, uh, I mean, this this statement could be printed out, framed, and put in a museum about Idaho football. But Idaho had a chance to come back, and they drove down to on the other side of the fifty. Um, to, yeah, they were on in Northern Colorado territory late in the game. But there was back-to-back unsportsmanlike conduct penalties, one on Mason Petrino, then one on Paul Petrino that forced them back for a fourth and 32. And I don't have to punt. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) The Petrinos. They They punted the ball away and never got it back. The Bears just ran out the clock. It is... If there's anything that can get you fired and your kid immediately entered, entered into the transfer portal to go down to a D2 school, it is that. Which is probably where he belongs, and it's probably where Paul Petrino belongs by now. I don't know if Paul Petrino uh, wants to be doing anything lower than what, what he's, he's doing. doing now. He's just uh, he's pouting down here in FCS. But if you're a – I mean, what what do they have he, to show? Like, You have no to ask, is he throwing – coordinator or an assistant no. coach at the higher level he's terrible i think the i think the question that has to be asked is is he trying to lose these kind of games does he want the idaho fan base to be so high after an eastern game and then he's like i'm gonna go out here totally screw up a game against northern colorado it's gonna piss everybody off i get fired i get my money yeah. i don't have to coach in the fcs anymore that's i mean more plausible than a team that beating that just beat eastern uh losing to northern colorado Right, that's that's the only plausible explanation. Like Northern Colorado can't win a game unless someone's throwing it, in my opinion. Yeah. Now I pray to God that the Cats don't lose to Northern Colorado <laughs> in four or five weeks, because then my theory's out the window on that one. But yeah. My God, like that is an embarrassing loss. If I was an Idaho fan, I would be out of there immediately. It doesn't matter if it was my alma mater, my parents' alma mater, if my grandfather founded the school. Which probably great grandfather, great yeah. great grandfather. But but that's beside the point. I'd be out of there. I'm picking a new school. Yeah, I may I give would, up FCS altogether. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't sign up for that. If I'm an yeah. Idaho fan, at least temporarily, right? Um, Idaho total offense number nine in the Big Sky Conference. Total defense number ten. I mean, five games is enough to have a good idea of who these guys are. They are just not a good football team. Um, nice win over Eastern, but again. Sometimes good teams lose, and that may have been what happened uh, when, when the Eagles came to Idaho. Insane. So in Idaho's schedule, we've gone over it a couple of times. It's not easy by any means. This week, they're at home against Weber State. And we'll get to that when we go around the big sky. So they're at home against Weber, but they do have a winnable game. And, I mean, I should say winnable game against Portland State, but you never know. Petrino might throw that one as well. I mean, they lost Northern Colorado. That's I mean, Portland State's probably better than Northern Colorado. I don't know. Then they have Idaho State, Cal Poly, Montana, Sac State, NAU. So I see them getting one win the rest of the year, and it's going to be Portland State. Yeah. I mean, or maybe Cal Poly, but well, Northern Colorado is so bad that you put, cannot trust Idaho. Yeah, they'll probably put up 80 points on Weber State this weekend then lose to Portland State the following weekend. That would be if that happens. Then my Petrino theory is going to be. I like the theory. Spot There's on. something to it for sure. Because bring the fan base as high as you can, 
and then punch them right in the face and knock them down to where they want to quit you. But if you don't want to be an FCS coach, I mean, he's in the best position, right? Like he's getting paid more than anybody. He has a contract through, I believe 2022. So he's here for three more seasons. If he's not happy in Idaho, definitely try to get yourself fired. That's what he's doing. For he, sure. He'd have to get, it's guaranteed money. I'm pretty sure all of it's guaranteed. It has to be. Yeah. So Or a buyout. Even then, if you don't get your $1.2 million in the next three years. Uh, I have a feeling they offered him a buyout and he was like, nope, I'm good. I'm just going to. He's like, I can stay here for three years and make $1.2 I'm good. I'm going to get my kid a free college education and uh, yeah, walk away with $2 million. And, $2 a lifetime million. Of, and a lifetime of memories with Mason. Yeah. <laughs> Like getting back to back on sports and likes to lose a game oh, against the most God. beatable team in the big sky. Unbelievable. It kind of reminded Unbelievable. me of in the Bulls heyday, uh, they lost a, a game. I forget who it was, a regular season game. And I was reading the write up in the Tribune the next morning. And the reason they lost, one of the reasons they lost is that Montana's own Larry Kerstoviak, who was on the roster, uh, but was definitely a bench player, got two technicals and was ejected from the game. Um, costing the Bulls the game, or at least contributing to their loss. Petrinos just did this to the Vandals. Did you, did you just get ESPN Classic or something today? Oh no, these are just that's a that's a flashback to the '93 Dallas Cowboys and the Bulls heyday. Oh no, I I had to look in up the same the podcast. I googled the Cowboys one okay. as I was making the point, uh, but I knew I have that Larry Kristoviak uh, story at the tip of my tongue, just in case I can fit it in. Well, there you go. Yeah. Took four years of doing this podcast, but you finally got <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, we did there, it. So I'm glad that you. I'm glad that you held on to that one, and it was definitely definitely worked. Yeah. So, so we. I mean, that's looking around the big sky. Hilarious, hilarious start to the season, uh, to the conference season with that Idaho loss. Everybody else pretty much going the way that we thought it was going to go. Did you have any other surprise that you wanted to talk about after after week one of a conference season? No, no, it was. It was it's just so much fun to be here. So much fun to be it in is. conference play. And so we look really quickly as we kind of wrap up this pre around the big sky, uh, the first segment we're going to do about the big sky, but uh, big sky still has five teams in the top 25. Yep. Rounding it out. I mean, we have Weber state coming in at four. We have Montana state at six, Montana at eight, jumping from like 16 with their win over Davis. Yeah. Davis falling and a, back to 12. And a justified jump. That was a huge, For sure. huge road win. Yeah, and Davis falling back about eight spots to number 12, and then Eastern Washington creeping back up with that win against North Dakota, and they're at 22. So if you look at the five Big Sky teams that we have ranked in the stats FCS poll right now, is there any one team that you think should be higher or lower than where they are currently? You know, I I don't think so. I mean, if anything, either Davis or Eastern should probably be a little higher. Um, I I think – I think, you know, Davis dropping as far as they did eight spots, like they should drop, but the Grizz are a good team. I don't know. To, to me, it's, I still think Davis is a, is a top tier team. Um, and I mean, they, they showed it against North. You're actually hoping that they are. Well, no, I mean, they showed it against North Dakota state two weeks ago. Right. I mean, they, but then it, the, the weirdest thing is that second game of the year against San, I mean, they hung tough with Cal and then that second game of the year <laughs> should have lost to San Diego. Like who are they? Yeah. It is so weird. Yeah, but again, this comes to our general point where it's like I don't really un- I don't really follow the rest of the FCS, so um you know, how how uh they compare against a team like Villanova or Nichols. I I don't know. Um I I do think that Davis Eastern 
are very, very tough teams. I would not want to see them in the playoffs, but I wouldn't mind seeing Furman. Maybe Furman's really <laughs> good, but I don't know anything about them. They sound like they're terrible. I'd like to see them in the playoffs, and they're ranked I think number they're the, 16. I think they're the uh, Furman Paladins. Oh, <laughs> that, that doesn't help their case. No. Just out, I think they're in South Carolina, Pat Furman Paladins. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that a dinosaur? A Furman? Or a bird? No, a Paladin. I don't know. Um, we got to get our buddy uh, Jay-Z on here. He knows a lot about dinosaurs. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what a Paladin is. Well, maybe we'll find out in the playoffs. But no, to your point, I think... Oh, it's a medieval like knight. Oh, cool. I, I think that everyone's ranked pretty properly. Uh, Sac State, Idaho State, both got votes this week. They're the only other schools that are receiving votes. I think that's fair. Are you happy with where things stand? Yeah, but first, I want to go back to the Paladin thing. Mm-hmm. Is it cooler to have like this really strong medieval knight as your as your mascot when people think it's initially a dinosaur? Is there a trade-off there for having a really cool mascot, but people don't know what it is? I think it's a good mascot. I think it's a good mascot. But you didn't even know what it was until I told you. Yeah, but I, I like it. It's not It's not overly gimmicky or too generic, which a lot of... A lot of teams fall into one of two camps. So Paladin doesn't seem like it's too gimmicky. I don't know what it is, but... Um, it's a knight renowned for heroism and chivalry. Yeah. Uh, kind of like a cavalier, right? Aren't those knight-type people? Yeah, but Finland and Cavalier Lounge don't sponsor us anymore, so we need <laughs> to bleep point. that out. Great point. We'll bleep that one out. Jerry, <laughs> mark it down. Please bleep that one out. Yeah. they want to pay us. Yeah. No, we love you, Finland. F-I-N. We love you. F-I-N-L-E-N.com. We love you, Finland. Um, (laughs) Come back to us, please. (laughs) Uh, But no, that is... (laughs) I think think everybody's ranked pretty much where they they should be. I would even maybe... I'm going to break with you for a little bit here. I think Dave... And you kind of said it, but I think Davis should be lower. So I think they should be maybe 16, 17 with their showing against San Diego. And then they got killed by Montana. It wasn't even close. Yeah, no, it was. Um, It was a statement win. For Coach oh, House. for sure. So I, I was I would move them back a little bit, but I think when you look at Weber, Montana, Montana State, you could almost interchange any three of those teams. You could put Montana at four, Montana State at six, Weber at eight. I mean, having those three teams in the top ten looks great for the Big Sky. It's exciting, um, and I, it just gets my heart racing thinking about what these two, what the Montana State, Montana could do in these rankings going into Cat Grizz at the end of the year if this keeps going. Yeah, I just, maybe maybe Paul Petrino with Idaho is actually onto something and his goal is just to destroy Eastern Washington. So now not only has he beat Eastern Washington, but now he's yeah. trying to make Idaho look as bad as possible. I just picture like- So do you mean, you mean Eastern Washington is a geographic hole? Or Eastern Washington, the school? The school, Oh, because well, I was like, thinking maybe you meant like you wanted he wanted to destroy Eastern Washington because Moscow is right on the border of Eastern Washington. No, no, I mean, I mean Eastern. Maybe Washington. Maybe you mean it both ways. School. Maybe you didn't even know you meant it both ways. Maybe I did, but I just picture like the Eastern Washington coaching staff, like, oh, great win, we must beat North Dakota. Good job, guys. Um, you know, University of Idaho received some votes, so that wasn't that bad of a loss last weekend. And then someone breaking the news to him that University of Idaho just lost to Northern Colorado. Disaster. Yeah. That makes Eastern Washington's loss to them even worse. It does. And Eastern Washington needs all the help they can get to get into the playoffs if they don't run the table basically in the big sky. Yep, totally. And now they're 
one of their worst losses is to a team that just lost to Northern Colorado. <laughs> crazy, crazy stuff. So that's our first around the Big Sky segment where we looked back at some of the games last week. We were so excited about week one that we had to look at each game and kind of go through and give our comments on it. Um, we're going to go to our next segment. We're bringing back in or out. Where each one of us asks each other, are they in or out on three separate topics? Do you want to go first? Uh, you go first, please. Okay, so let me tee it up a little bit for everybody. So on Twitter today, if you were on Twitter and you follow anybody who follows the FCS, you could see that there was a big hashtag uh, social media blitz going on. Hashtag FCS on game day where the FCS, uh, everybody who's an FCS fan, coaches, administrators, media, we're all trying to get ESPN's attention to try and just get at least uh, an FCS segment on college game day every week with a main goal or maybe a major goal of trying to get game day to come to another FCS game this year. One that is obviously near and dear to our hearts is Cat Grizz, the Brawl of the Wild, and how unbelievable it would be for game day to come to that. That would be probably the number one game that game day could go to in the FCS. So are you in or out that game day this year or ever will come to the Brawl of the Wild in Missoula or Bozeman? I'm in that they will come at some point. I'm also in that they're going to be there this year. I feel it in oh, my wow. bones. You, I just, you think this blitz worked? I think this blitz was, I think it was part of a broader conversation. Cause if you look at the other slate of games that are happening on Saturday, November 23rd, right, the, the, I think who we'd be competing against would be Texas A&M at Georgia, Penn State at Ohio State. It's like, all right, no one's going to be super up for those games, right? Like, they're good games, huge fan bases at Georgia, at Ohio State. LSU's hosting a game. But it just doesn't doesn't seem like it's a great, great rivalry with any of them. Um, Oklahoma, Auburn, Alabama, they're all at home, but they're all playing pretty bad teams. Uh, I don't know. It just seems like this could happen the stars are aligned they're not aligned yet magic they're not aligned yet but the stars are starting to align and i i just feel it in my bones that game day is going to be at cacris this year and you have to think that that would be about the only game that they would go to this where, year yeah i mean where else would they've they been to, they've been to fargo they've been yeah. to fargo they've done that they've done the east coast fcs schools where there's a lot more of them obviously what else, what other game are you going to come to over on the west on the west coast i mean you know obviously montana west it has to be either this game or like the game the week before Montana at Weber State, or I'm sorry, Weber State at Montana. Yeah, if you wanted to show that, off Washington like, Grizzly. Yeah, but even that, it's it like, doesn't have the allure. No, they they would there would be such energy around Cat Grizz, especially if both teams continue on the path that they're on. Um, yep. I mean, there will just be such a buzz where if you look at the slate of other FCS game or FBS games rather. This doesn't seem like any of these other games would have that same buzz. Penn State at Ohio State is the only one that jumps out. It's, it's like, the only competition right now. Yeah, like this, that could be a special game. But Penn State has looked weak at different points this year. I mean, except when they played Idaho, um, but they almost they almost lost to Pitt. <laughs> Idaho, <laughs> they almost lost to Pitt. Um, I have a new theory. Okay, let's hear it. Pause your pause your. He was trying. Paul Petrino was trying to erase the Idaho game the Penn state game from Idaho fans memory by having an even worth worse <laughs> loss against Northern Colorado. I'll one up you. I think Paul Petrino was uh, trying to 
give Eastern Washington a false sense of security so they wouldn't prepare for their game against Idaho as much as they needed to. And then they could, they could stomp him. Paul Petrino had one goal this year. It was beating Eastern Washington and he accomplished that goal. He is a mastermind of manipulating Eastern Washington. Worth every basically. penny. <laughs> okay, go on. Sorry. Uh, that's it. What do you think? Are we going to, are you winner out on this one? Game day in Montana. I want to be in so bad because it's going to be an amazing game this year. If everything keeps going the way it's going to go. You know what? I want to give it positive thoughts. I want to put this out into the universe as a positive thought. You can't hurt, right? It's happening. I'm in. I'm in. We're both going to be at the game. We're both going to be there. Game day will be there. Can't wait. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. All right. What's your first one? Uh, We already kind of did a couple of mine, but now I feel bad for even having this on the list. (laughs) (laughs) What is it? Idaho, are you in or out? Oh, we haven't talked about them at all. Yeah, two seconds on them. They're terrible. Hopefully you're out. They're bad. Okay. In. No, I'm in. (laughs) I'm in on them being terrible. Okay, yes, yes, yes. And I'm in on paying attention to every single one of their games this year, just in the pure (laughs) entertainment factor. So I'm all in on Idaho. If I had a second team that I'm going to – I mean, a third team. I watched, you know, the Cats, the Grizz. If I had a third team that I'm going to be honed in on all season, it's Idaho for the unintentional comedy that they go through. And Brian and Chris from our podcast network, everything that comes with their emotions, I'm yeah. all in on Idaho. So I'm in on Idaho, out on them being good. Okay, good. What's your next one? All right, my next one. So are you in or out that Montana State and Montana will enter the Cat Grizz game with one loss? Total. I am out on Montana coming in with one oh, loss. Oh, tell me why. Schedule's just too tough, right? I mean, they, they've they played as well as they could have played through their first five games. Um, very happy with where this team's at, but they, they still have a lot of tough teams on this schedule. Uh, Idaho State this Where's weekend. Where's their loss at? Uh, either Eastern or probably either Eastern or Weber State. Maybe Idaho. Um, <laughs> but no, I think Eastern, Weber State, they're both really great teams. The Grizz are lucky to have them at home, um, but they're still very, very good teams. Uh, so uh, I, I'm i out on the Grizz coming in with one loss and on the Cats, though. I mean, your guys' schedule is such a joke that... I mean, you Not have, a joke. It's just the way they It's just the way they write it up. No, of course, but Cal Poly, Sac State at home, which is tougher than... Sneaky the, Sac State. Yeah, t- tougher than we thought it was. Um, North Dakota, Southern Utah... Northern Colorado, UC Davis. Uh, I mean, Davis could be your one loss, but you have six weeks to prepare for it because the rest of the schedule is garbage. Yeah, and I think, you know, I. it's been a while since I've been able to appreciate what the Cats are doing without really caring what the Grizz are doing in the sense of, like, not getting super depressed when the Grizz are winning or have a really good win, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe in the past with a shitty Cats team, the Cats lose a game against someone they should have beat, and then the Grizz go and do this to UC Davis. My weekend is ruined, right? Yeah. Now, and it's this season, I'm starting to see it. Am I getting more mature? I don't know. I'm more impressed with that Grizz win against UC Davis than I am depressed about it or mad about it. Yeah. 
Well, maybe it's Which, because Do you think you, it's maturity? What do you think it is? Yeah, it might be maturity. It might be that you uh, co-own a Montana sports media company, and when the Grizz and Cats are both good, it's good for it's our good bottom for the clicks. line. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that might have something to do with it. Um, but yeah, I... Okay. Yeah, no, I, I've I've been I'm I'm much more mature than you, and I've also seen you know business. Well, wise, you're a year older. Business older wise, um, much more savvy. So I've always been able to see the big picture. I like when the cats are good. I did enjoy when they were down twenty one nothing. I had a few chuckles about that, but when they came back, it's like yeah. good, great. So, and the uh, the reason I get to that is because when I look at the Grizz's upcoming schedule, and if Davis is the team that they. If Davis is the team that we thought they were coming into this season, where we probably all ranked them in our top two in yeah. our preseason conference rankings, right? Totally, absolutely. And the Grizz can knock them out forty-five to twenty. That makes me really nervous that they can run the table. Idaho State. If this game was in Pocatello, I may be a little bit like, yeah, Idaho State has a chance. I just don't think Hauk lets them come back from a massive win against UC Davis and disappoint the home crowd at Washington Grizzly Stadium. I just don't think it happens. Yeah, they made a. I forget if it was Brent or Mike on the Grizz fan podcast made a really good point that they have, the Grizz have a bye week after Idaho State, and if you're a player on the Grizz, you know that if you lose this game, if you lose homecoming, you're not going to get any time off. Bobby no. Hawk's going to run your ass for the your whole two, two weeks. weeks. <laughs> um, yeah. So they have a lot of incentive to win this thing. Yeah. So when I look at so when I keep going down their schedule. I could see the Grizz getting to Cat Grizz with one loss. They are better than I thought. If And again, we don't know what Davis really is yet. A really bad showing in San Diego. A great showing against North Dakota State. A very bad showing against U of M. We don't know what that's indicative of. But if I look at the Cat schedule, I think I have to agree with you. One of the biggest things I think going into this is if they can get past Cal Poly and Sac State, they do have that bye week before a, a, a tricky North Dakota team in Grand Forks. Tough place to travel to, I, I would assume. Anytime you're traveling to North Dakota is probably a shitty time to travel, but that's yeah. a huge bye week, I think, for the Cats if they can get the Cal Poly-Sac State games behind them, and I think that sets them up to getting into Cat Grizz uh, with one loss, with that Davis game being the potential second loss if Davis – does end up being that strong team that we thought they were. So it's a really long answer for me being in that both teams are going to go into Cat Grizz with one loss. Okay. I like your optimism. It's like kind of optimism, but I feel dirty saying that the Grizz are going to make it there with one loss. Like this is not the the Nate from past years where I would do it just to, you know, screw with Grizz fans or troll or speak it into existence. I, I They might be a really damn good team this year. Yeah. No, it, I mean, it's but I think big. the Cats are a really damn good team too. So I, too. I think that's where my that's where my balance comes from this year. I agree. Um, all right, my next one. I'm switching it up on what I texted you. Big Sky Awards. We don't we don't text each other in advance about these. Big Sky Awards. Are you in or out? Reason I bring this up, Nate. Awards or wars? Awards. Awards. Uh, Adam Wilson, the Grizz punter, named the stats FCS. National Special Teams Player of the Week. He had a great game against UC Davis. He played a big part in that Grizz win. Uh, he was not named the Special Teams Player of the Big Sky Conference. Are you in or out on Big Sky Awards? Well, it's a good question. <laughs> This is what happens when you don't text me the question before <laughs> we start recording the podcast. 
Um, I'm going to have to go with in. I'm totally in on Big Sky Awards. All right. I like that analysis. <laughs> I have no idea. What's your next one? It's a special. You just gave me a freaking topic on a special teams award. <laughs> What's That's what one? you gave me. You That's what. What did you? Up. What did you take out? What was your third one that you took out? That was just my second one. This is going on forever. Oh shit! Um, Jesus. My second one was just Weber State, but we already, we already talked. <laughs> You're about just giving me one word, one word. In or out. So you're like, Idaho. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about yeah. on the text. And then Weber State. I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. And then yeah. you hit me with a special teams player of the week. <laughs> you got to be right. Maybe you look like an idiot. I'm not going to edit out any of those pauses either. Good. It's going to be the most awkward 10 seconds of this podcast. Yeah, you're going to look like a dumb. Where people are going to actually think that their like, iPhones died. Yeah. Like the end of this Sopranos. Um, what's your next one? Okay, well, my third one. Thank you for that riveting second one all right so eastern washington plays sacramento state they play sacramento i just lost all of my train of thought okay back at it. eastern washington travels to sacramento state a tough place to play because it's the shittiest one of the shittiest stadiums. well i shouldn't say it a lot of big sky school stadiums are shitty but sacramento state nobody goes to the games nobody cares it's a commuter school so eastern washington coming off a pretty good win against north dakota has to travel to sacramento state play at hornet stadium stingers up if Eastern Washington loses this game to a frisky Sacramento State, we, we think is a frisky Sacramento State team, are they out of the playoffs? Yeah, they, uh, because I'm in on that statement because it's true. I mean, oh, yeah, that, I should have phrased it that way. Eastern Washington, I don't think, can make the playoffs. I mean, they the most they could have would be seven wins, seven FCS wins if they lose to Sacramento State. They need to run the table right now to get up to eight, which is the – line we've all kind of determined is where teams need to be. Um, if they lose at Sacramento state, I mean, they're out uh, and they have a super winnable schedule for the rest of the year. If you look at their schedule, Northern Colorado, Northern Arizona, Idaho state, Cal Poly, Portland state, the only team who I haven't mentioned yet, they play at Washington Grizzly stadium on October 26th, but that's coming that's coming uh, off a bye week. So they're going to have two weeks to get ready for the Grizz, which is best case scenario when facing uh, having to go into Missoula to play a game. So the schedule is lining up for them to win, uh, to get into the playoffs, but they need to win every game, including Sacramento State this weekend. Yeah, I'm in on that statement too. I mean, they screwed themselves up. Well, they didn't even screw themselves up with their scheduling because they did play two FCS games uh, out of uh, out of conference. Excuse me, out of conference, they could have you know scheduled maybe a an easier one than Jacksonville State and Idaho, which we thought Idaho. <laughs> they probably thought Idaho was their easy one, to be honest with you. But you know, yeah. why not schedule a Monmouth or a Norfolk State or a Mississippi Valley State just to get you that guaranteed win? Yeah. Totally. Again, they probably thought that was Idaho, but they have to win out. The only the like the only way would be some weird Big Sky season where the top tier teams royally screw up, cannibalize each other lose like three or four conference games in Eastern somehow makes it with like the auto bid, which I don't know if it's even possible and it won't happen. Yeah. But that has to be the only way, right? I'm sure it's possible, but no, I mean that I think if they had seven wins, I think the only way they'd get in is with the auto bid because their losses aren't great. um, And the wins that they can potentially tally up aren't against impressive teams. So uh, you know, if you're the Grizz and you come in with seven wins, but those wins are over all FCS schools, including 
number four Davis, you know, an Eastern team or something like maybe you can fudge the math to get there, but no, I mean, they, they just can't do it. All right. So let's look at the two games we really didn't cover when we went around the big sky. And that was Montana state's win over Northern Arizona and the massive as bear tycoon would say Montana win over UC Davis. First one up Montana state over NAU at the, I was at the game. This was one of my favorite non cat Grizz games I've ever seen at Bobcat stadium. It's right up there with Montana state's playoff win against some team from the East coast. It might've been Furman, which would be really weird if it was, I can't remember. There was a huge blizzard that came through. We won a playoff game against them or the new Hampshire playoff win when they doinked an extra point off the upright to lose the game. Those are two of my favorites. This NAU one was right up there. Montana state down 21 to nothing in the first half. And I was freezing my ass off in that stadium and I was pissed and then everything changed. And I just had one of the most amazing times at Bobcat stadium. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a great win. You should be very happy. Um, and I was very happy after the game and saying it all year, good teams win, right? Like they came out, they were down, they faced a challenge and they just out hustled and, dominated Northern Arizona once they got down 21, nothing. And I couldn't talk about this game without mentioning how unbelievable Travis Johnson was in this game. Uh, You could tell when uh, Troy Anderson was running the ball that he was hobbling. He, he had some injuries. He would run the ball. He'd get up. He would limp to the sideline. It did not look good, but he'd come back in on a third and short and he would get it every time. Okay. He's a beast. He was unbelievable. But Travis Johnson, the way he was running the ball on Saturday was was truly one of the, my favorite performances of this season so far. 13 carries for 105 yards and two touchdowns. He was running over dudes. He was running downhill, uh, as they would say. Uh, so I was really impressed with Travis Johnson. Just a fantastic game. Not only did he have those the 105 yards, he also had five receptions. Uh, he didn't really do much on the passing end. He was one of two. But Travis Johnson was the MVP of this game by far, and I'm super excited to see what he can do coming up this week. He may be the answer to our quarterback problems because Tucker Rovig looked horrible. Yeah, not. I mean, granted, the weather wasn't good, but it's in Montana, so like you have to be prepared to play in bad weather. He had just over a hundred yards, right? And he just yeah, he had just over a hundred yards, and forty nine of them came from a long pass to my boy Coy Steele, <laughs> who then ended up getting hurt because he got drilled by two players at the same oh, time, man. which which kept him up. Yeah, which was the most amazing part. And he ran forty yards for the t- or it was less than forty yards for the run, but got to the end zone, put the ball down, and was. Very injured, you could tell. It was not like a, like a tweak to Hammy or something like that. So we hope Coy Steele's all right. He's my favorite player on the Cats. But, yeah, 49 of his 106 yards passing came on that play. So he actually had right above 50 yards, or that 50 yards uh, for the game if you take that one pass away. So it was a very poor showing by Tucker Rovig, and it probably doesn't help that he has Casey Bauman sitting on the sideline, all 6'8 of him looking over his shoulder. Yeah, but, I mean, we've seen, we've seen what uh, Casey Bauman can do, and it's uh... – not, not, not that impressive. Not pretty. Um, no. So, it, I mean, but look, he led the win. Um, I mean, you're. I think you have to give a lot of credit to the to the whoever is calling the offensive shots there in Montana State, either coordinator or Jeff Choate, um, for figuring out how Matt how they needed Boise to, State's Matt Miller offensive coordinator how they needed to come back and they did it right like they yeah, just pounded one, the ball. Um, oh yeah. I think someone. I think it was one of the R and R cat cast guys said this on Twitter that they ran like 23 consecutive rushing plays, 22 consecutive rushing plays in the second half. 
And it worked, right? Like that is you have to fight oh, your instincts. The holes that that offensive line was whole opening up was unbelievable. The offensive line, if you if you don't give a if you had to give the game ball to a group and not just Travis Johnson, it was the offensive line. You could see by the end of the game that NAU. Well, at one point, NAU's defense had one playoff. Montana State scored a touchdown on the ensuing kickoff. NAU fumbles. Montana State recovers. Defense has to come back out. Next play, the next drive, NAU throws one long pass to about midfield. The next play, Cookus is intercepted after getting drilled by Conkle. And the defense has to come back on the field again. And it took about three plays for the Cats to get in the end zone. They wore them down. The offensive line is beasting right now. And Northern Arizona had no answer for them. It was it was unbelievable. And Case Cookus, we loved him. We used to love him. After NAU went up 21 to nothing. He threw a little fade to the end zone, comes over, blows a kiss to the Montana State student, student no, section. No, he didn't. He did. <laughs> right over there, right where they come out of the tunnel, that little student section corner, blows them a kiss. Oh, That's when case. he was dead to me. What are you thinking, buddy? What are you doing? So, obviously, the game didn't turn out the way he wanted it to turn out. When he was walking off the field, the whole student section over there by the uh, tunnel was definitely blowing him kisses. He looked like he was having fun with it. I think he's a pretty happy-go-lucky guy yeah. when it comes to that kind of stuff. But, yeah, Case Cookies did not look good in the second half. Montana State brought a little bit different pressure, so that was good to see because he was passing all over them in the first. So, quite the game, and I will wrap it up by saying that Bobcat – stadium was electric in the second half of this game there's one uh <laughs> a nostalgia kind of sense for me is when in the kramer years when i was in college at msu after every touchdown and everybody knows it's a classic song we like to party by the vanga brother oh yeah it's one of my favorites that that would play after every touchdown in the kramer area era i don't know when they got away from it but after montana state scored their 42nd point the Venga Brothers came on. We like to party. Got that place going. You look around. It didn't matter what age you were. You could be 18 and a freshman at Montana State or 65. It was unbelievable. Venga Brothers. That, that song is we, it is. You know that song turned 20 this year? I'll put a little snippet into this into this part. just And then hopefully we don't get charged with copyright infringement. I but, can't imagine the Venga Brothers are lawyered up. You're right, probably. But... Amazing time. I hope they keep playing that song after every touchdown at home because it got the place going. That's all I have to say. And probably my biggest point was the Vanga Brothers are amazing. Good. Love it. Great win. Hats off to you. I mean, we we know what the weaknesses of Montana State are. It's slow starts and quarterback play. Uh, but they so far, despite that flaw, they've been able to pull out victories. So hats off to them. So you want to talk about a little bit. We talked a little bit about it. You've used a couple of different adjectives to describe it. Tell me how you felt about that that Grizz win over UC Davis on the road in sunny Northern California. All I can say is, you know, the out-of-conference schedule, the Grizz seemed like they were so good, right? Like the South Dakota win doesn't look that's strong now, but in the moment it was like, wow, we put a hurting on a team that was, I forget if they were ranked or they were getting, they were at least receiving votes. Um, They then, you know, they played well against Oregon. They played, they dominated these two other FCS schools. It's like, all right, like there's something here, but there's reason to doubt it, right? Like South Dakota is not as good as we thought they were. Um, Monmouth is not nearly as good as, as we kind of hyped them up to be in the preseason. This UC Davis game, 
No doubt about it. It was a statement win. They didn't just win. They didn't squeak by. They stomped them 45 to 20. And not only that, but they looked so good on every part of the field. Their rushing game looked good. Their passing game, they were spreading around. Uh, Dalton Sneed was taking off. He was running a lot more than he has for uh, most of the season. Their defense just looked absolutely dominant against what was supposed to be one of the top offenses in the league. I, I'm so happy about it. It also happened on my birthday. So it's like, thanks, Montana. Oh, yeah. Really appreciate it. I needed that. I needed that <laughs> you little know, boost. Um, yeah, they showed the score in the stadium. And there was no booze or anything like booze, uh, like B-O-O-S when that score came up. But I think everybody was pretty impressed when they saw that and a little bit scared, but mostly impressed that Montana was putting that kind of beat down on UC Davis. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but look, it's a one game at a time. The Grizz yeah. now have their four and one, right? Four and one, four FCS wins. They still have work to do and they still have quite the hill in front of them to, to get on top of. But to this point in the season, they have just looked as good as I wanted them to. I have. Do you think that Luke from the Grizz Fan Pod will write another article about how the Grizz are going to be national champions? He can write it. I'm not going to publish it. There's no that way was, that they get on our went, website. I went and looked back in our archives on the Montana Mint, montana-mint.com, and I found that article from 2015. And I'm just waiting to pull it back out and send it to him <laughs> to the, for the perfect moment. Uh, did he write it right after the North Dakota game, North Dakota State game? No, it was a couple other. It was like a North Dakota State win, and they lost to a Cal Poly or somebody. And then it was yeah. like two other wins after that he wrote it. So it's kind of kind of hilarious there. But no, that's a that's a massive win for for Montana. Obviously, I saw after the game that Halk made some sort of comment about how Jake Mayer Meyer is probably going to play in the NFL. They have a great quarterback over there. Everybody thinks he's great, but Dalton Snead's the best quarterback in the Big Sky right now. And if you look around the conference, he may be right. When you thought about maybe the top tier quarterbacks, you think like Eric Berrierier, and right now he looks like more of a facilitator. Montana State doesn't have a quarterback on their roster that you could put in the same time zone as Dalton Snead right now. Uh, they got themselves a quarterback for sure, and he's going to light some defenses up this year. Yeah, Cookus, Berrierier, Snead, and Thompson all have. 13. You saw what Cats did to Cookus in the second. Yeah, he's but, mortal. But they all have thirteen touchdowns. That leads the league. Um. Dalton Sneed is the only player on that list who didn't play a down game to pad his stats, right? Like he has 13 touchdowns playing a very tough schedule. Um, They only only have uh, the top 10 for the big sky conference. So there is not a Bobcat quarterback listed here. Unfortunately, not one of the four, Uh, not, not top 10 for uh, passing stats. Okay. And that's all right. Yeah. You know, we're not a passing team, so that's cool. That's whatever. Yeah, no. No, that was a good win for the Grizz. And the one other thing I was thinking about, though, that probably made me a little bit less depressed is if UC Davis does kind of come back from this and be that team that we thought they are or think they could be, is that loss has, you know, conference championship implications. They now have a conference loss, which is huge. Yep. You know, if we all end up with the same record or, you know, if, if they're looking to try and tie the record to try and get a share of it. That's, that's a big for opening loss for UC Davis, something they're not used to in the last year or two. And we also have to remember that UC Davis was a basement dweller for their whole tenure in the Big Sky Conference until two years ago. Yeah. So 
they didn't really ever put out a product like Eastern Washington did a sustained winning five years, decade, or anything like that. So they may just not be as strong as we think that they are because they had two pretty good years in the Big Sky. But that'll I, no, rem- I don't agree. That remains that. to be seen. No, I don't agree. I think there we don't know. There's we don't numbers know. underlying it. There's schedule from last year, who they played, and what they did against them. There's there's a lot of things pointing to that this isn't like a Southern Utah almost winning the Big Sky or a Portland State, right? Like they they there's there's other there's other evidence out there that what they put together last year was real. Um, so I think they're a good team, um, and I I think they're going to be in the mix towards the end of the season for sure. But it just and that just further Good. highlights how important this road win was. One thing that needs to change, though, and then we can move on from this. Great win, highlight, you know, top tier game in all of the FCS. And I believe that. Let me see. There was ten thousand and one people at the game. That's a lot for a UC Davis game, though. Yeah, but it's still not that many people. No. But. You have to remember in California, there are so many other things going on. That's actually a really good crowd for Davis. You have Cal, you have Fresno State, you have – it's just such a commuter area up in Northern California. But you're right. That needs – they need to get – if you have a number four team in the country and they're and Montana's coming to town, you better have more than 10,000 fans in those seats. Yeah. Yeah. And sorry, they had 10,011, not 10,001. So. Sorry. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Um, so, so great, great weekend for Montana schools. Montana state looked great. Montana looked great. So we look forward to, is that everything you had on the last weekend? Yes. Okay. So we look forward to this weekend and you couldn't have two more different games in the style of play that these teams, that these matchups have. So first off we have Montana state traveling down to San Luis Obispo to play Cal Poly. You have the Grizz hosting Idaho state for their homecoming matchup. We'll start with Montana state. Montana State is going to enter this game with the number 46 rush defense in the FCS. So a pretty good rush defense that's allowing 142 yards a game. You have Cal Poly who comes into this game with the 84th ranked rush defense in the FCS, which is right around 194.3 yards a game. So Montana State's in the top third of the FCS. Cal Poly, second half. But where it really gets interesting, MSU has the sixth ranked rush offense in all of FCS. Cal Poly has the 11th ranked rush offense in all of FCS. They're putting up a combined 520 or 500. My math is bad, but it's like 532 yards a game combined in rushing. Wow. Total. It'll probably be, How, probably be a quick game. You, it's probably, yeah, the clock's going to keep running. And over under 25 passes thrown in this game. Oh, under. Total. Under. I'll go under. How low would you go? Mm, I think it'll probably 20. be like 18 to 20. Okay. So would you go under 20? Yeah. I'd go under. All right. I'd go under 20 and a half. Okay. So you could take, you'll take 20 and below. Yes. How insane is that that we're talking about two teams in this era of football? And in the Big Sky Conference, which has some pretty good passing quarterbacks and puts up a lot of – I mean, the Big Sky puts up a lot of points. That we're going to look at a combined under 20 yard, under twenty passing attempts in this matchup. Yeah, and look, this plays right into Montana State's hands as far as I'm concerned. They have a much better defense. Um, and so just try to run the ball down. If you're both running the ball down each other's throats, you're going to both be eating up a lot of the clock and – 
at that point, the tiebreaker should be defense, right? If you both assume that your offenses are flawed and run heavy, it's going to come down to defense. You guys have a much, much better defense than Cal Poly. Yeah, and I think that that's obviously where it's going to come into play. Montana State should be able to run the ball down Cal Poly's throats. The offensive, uh, Montana State's offensive line is so tenured. They have so much experience, and you and and they've shown it all season so far in the in the first five games that they can they can hang with anybody. One, they they didn't do too bad against Texas Tech, but that they can absolutely dominate FCS defensive lines. So. I think Montana State's set up pretty well in this game, especially just, just with their the way they've been rushing the ball, and this just plays perfectly into their hands. Pauly um, actually matches up. I looked up Southeast Missouri State and Northern Arizona are the number 90 and 91 rush defenses in the big, in the FCS right now, which is right. You, they're basically the same as Cal Poly. And Montana State rushed for 265 yards against Southeast Missouri and 340 against NAU. I see a huge day coming up again for the MSU running back slash quarterback slash whoever has the ball. Pretty excited to watch this, even though I, I I wouldn't usually be excited to watch a ground and pound game. I think the Cats are going to have some pretty big plays in this one. Yeah, they, I mean it'll be fun. I, it's uh, to me this is a game that you know the Cats we think that they can go. We just talked about how they might be able to run the table. Um, Cal Poly is a team, even though they're middle to lower tier in the Big Sky Conference, can knock off some some better competition just because of the way they play the game. I, I suspect the cats are gonna come away with a with a pretty big win. Do we know what you the, just you guaranteed it earlier? Yeah, yeah, I do guarantee. Are you can, it. are you still guaranteeing it? I still guarantee it. I still guarantee. Okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for the reminder. So, exactly. So it's a night game, which is always fun. Should be pretty nice weather in in San Luis Obispo down on the central coast. So that'll be a fun game to watch. It is on Pluto. It better not fuck up, or I'm gonna be pissed. Hold on, I'm looking at the Big Sky Conference stats. There's no way this could be true. They're telling me four games into the season, how many punt returns do you think Cal Poly has? Eight. One. One punt return? How is that possible? Maybe it's... A shitty defense. Or maybe... I don't know if this counts like... If someone punts it fair out of catches. the ball or fair catch, yeah. Maybe this is just once that they've actually returned. But no, I want to look at it the other way, though. <laughs> they just keep letting up touchdowns. <laughs> That's a pretty bad defense. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty bad defense. Um, but yeah, so it should be a fun game. So let's look at let's look at the Grizz game against Idaho State. Homecoming for the Grizz coming off of uh, – we've talked about it so many times. A massive win against UC Davis. Initial thoughts on this game. Are you scared? Well, we, we have an interview with Idaho State coach Rob Fennessy coming up uh, here in a second. I Look, he is a smart coach, and much like how Idaho played and prepared for that Eastern Washington game, he knows what stealing a game in Missoula would mean for his program, right? We think they're a good team. We think Idaho State's a good team, uh, but they need to have a huge, huge conference stretch here in order to even be in the playoff conversation. And that includes winning at Montana. They know what's on the line. Um, and I, I have faith in Rob Fennessy as, as a coach for getting his team up. I think Montana is a much more talented team. I mean, just through and through on both sides of the ball, but I anticipate Idaho will be pulling out all the tricks to try to get this win, steal a road win, uh, in Montana. So I am nervous, right? Like, I'm confident Montana 
should win. I think they're probably favored by a lot and rightfully so, but it seems like we play a lot of weird games against Idaho state and I expect that to happen this weekend. Yeah, no, I think. And so when we talked about how these two games, like the Montana state and the Grizz game are going to be totally different is that these two are 100% just pass heavy offenses. Both of them, the Grizz are in the top 10 in the FCS in passing offense. ISU is number 41. And in the defensive side, the ISU defense has the advantage there being number 51. The Grizz are 116. So they actually improved from 124th to 116th after playing Jake Mayermeyer, which is something. Yeah. I don't put any stock in these stupid statistics anymore because I thought Mayermeyer was going to go for 390,000 yards <laughs> and 20 touchdowns against the Grizz pass D, and they scored 20 points. So I don't even know why I look up these stats anymore. They don't mean anything at all. Yeah. So I think the Grizz win this game because it's at home because it is homecoming and because I think that place is going to be rocking after that win against UC Davis. I think so. I mean, there is more enthusiasm around this Grizz team than I can remember in a long, long time, probably since the North Dakota state win. People are just very, oh, I agree. Very yeah. I think on this team, Grizz fans are high and Grizz fans get high on their team after wins against South Dakota against wins over Monmouth. Then you add in a win against UC Davis, an actual good win for the Grizz. And it's almost insufferable. Like, I don't mind the Grizz winning right now because the Cats are winning. It's it's mostly the fans that are insufferable. You're not included in that. You've been a very nice fan. Thank you. Um, I will say about Idaho State, least penalized team in all the Big Sky Conference. So take that for what it is. 34. That shows a lot. Uh, yeah, it shows a lot of uh, a lot of respect for their opponents. 34 penalty yards a game. Good sportsmanship. Compared to Portland State, who is almost 100 yards a game in penalty yards. That's not good. Not good. Not good. So are you guaranteeing a Grizz win? No. No, I'm no. guaranteeing a Grizz win. No, no. I am. I am. I like it. I like that. I'm guaranteeing a Grizz win jinx, probably by 16. Jinx attempt recognized and noted. Grizz by, Grizz by 16. Guarantee it. You guys write it down. Got it. Jerry's got it. All right. So... Anything else on the Grizz game coming up before we get to Rob Fennessy? No, it's not to them. It's a really good interview. Um, it, we talk about kind of the flaws of the Big Sky Conference a lot. I think Coach Fennessy, Idaho State, they are an asset to to the conference. You know, they're, they can fix some things, but he seems to be in the right place. It's a great time talking to him, and we hope we can have him back on sometime soon. All right, so here is Bear Tycoon's interview with Coach of Idaho State, Rob Fennessy, at Big Sky Media Days earlier this year in Spokane. We are here with Coach Rob Fennessy of Idaho State, uh, playing the Grizz October 5th in Missoula. Uh, Coach, we're recording this in July, so we're going to kind of have a higher 30,000-foot uh, picture view of Idaho State, ask you about recruiting, ask you about how you're putting your schedule together. Um, let's start there on the schedule. You are not. You don't have a, a game which traditionally in uh, week one where everyone else is starting, and then you open up against Western Colorado. Uh, then you have two very tough games at Utah at Northern Iowa. Can you just kind of give us some insight on how this schedule is put together, this out-of-conference schedule is put together? We don't know how you did when this is right now, but we will know when this uh, when this airs. Yeah, this was this was, this was was done before I became the head coach. <laughs> so uh, uh, our, our, new athletic, our new athletic director, Pauline Deros, is working on making it a more suitable schedule, you know, for a, a good one double A, you know, try to try to work towards a playoffs type yeah. schedule. But 
um, it's challenging. You know, the one thing that at least with, you know, my thought process, I spent a week at Northern Iowa as a coach. And what they do is they play Idaho, or they play Iowa State, Iowa State, Iowa in a three-year cycle. Okay. So they play Iowa State twice, Iowa once. I would love, you know, we got to play a, a Division One game for, for for revenue. Yeah. I would love to see it. We have Utah, BYU, Utah State, Boise, four teams all within driving distance. I'd love to, you know, have that ability to play one of them every year and then and then get a couple of uh, one double A games in. And that's what that's what Pauline's working towards as well. We got to take the Division Two team off of our schedule because that hurt us last year. Uh, that kept us out of the playoffs. So uh, it's a it's a very formidable. Like I said, schedule. We get to go to some uh, some of the best places in college football. We get to go to Rice Eccles Stadium. We get to go to Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Those are two great places to play. We get to go to Wash Grizz. We get to go to the Kibbe Dome. We get to go to the Unidome. You know, so so it, it, we're not going to high school fields to play games. We're going to going to the real place, and and it, it's it's gonna it's gonna be fun. And it's, it's, you know, one of the best is coming into Wash Grizz because uh, the fans. You know, they, they make it they, they make it exciting. Do you prepare – so in a week we're going to play a team like Montana, do you prepare any differently that week to account for kind of the crowd noise and the atmosphere? No, we uh, – well, first of all, football's never played in a stale environment. Yeah. And we – everything we do, even in spring ball, everything we do is noise-oriented. So the guys have to have to focus. We have, we have loud music playing all the time now. It's better than – Back in the in, in, in what I say in the olden days in the early two thousands, like when I was at Wyoming, we played crowd noise. We just had a jet engine blowing during practice, and you're ready to you're ready to eat some lead at the end of the day. But but we, we put music on and we put it on pretty loud and and make us communicate and all that stuff. But there there's no way to replicate the uh, the crowd noise that you get at Wash Grizz. You know, even I was talking with Mitch Guller uh, this summer about going back up there, and when he was a freshman, we went up there in 2016. You know, and, and tried to explain to him the, the what the noise is going to be like, yeah. and, all that. and he he said, "Yeah, he goes, I didn't realize how loud it really was." And so that you know, it's something that you understand, and and uh, you might turn it up a little bit louder that week during practice, and and you, you can't communicate during practice. You just sit by the end of it, you walk up the field once again, and your your head's ringing. But uh, but you think about it, Utah is going to be loud, Northern Iowa is going to be loud, Wash Grizz is is the loudest. Um, Idaho is going to be loud. It's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it, it's, like I said, we get to play in some fun places, man. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, I see on the schedule you have BYU second to last game of the year. Um, what is kind of your goal going into this game? Is it, is it to stay healthy? Is it to get reps in towards the end of the year? But I mean, we don't know what your record is going to be now. Yeah. But kind of, how do you prepare for this weird FBS game at the end of the season? Well, for, for fun, I like to say if we're in con- contention for the uh, conference championship, then we're going to treat it like an NFL preseason game. <laughs> like starters, you get two series, you're out. No, no we're going to go and try to try to try to play as hard as we can, compete, and, and hopefully uh, put, us, put ourselves in a position to win. Um, it, it, you schedule them, you play them. I know the kids want to play them. I, I know they, you know, this bunch that we have down in Pocatello. Uh, you could say, let's go out and play in the parking lot right now, and they'll go, let's go. Yeah. So uh, it's on a schedule. Buses are scheduled. We got food. We got to go down there and play it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, two more questions for you, Coach. Last one, just looking at your last three games, obviously super tough. The BYU game I mentioned, Eastern Washington at home, and then you're going to Weber State, who should be towards the top of the division. Where does Idaho State need to be going into this tough, tough stretch starting November 9th? We need to be healthy. <laughs> That's most important. Uh, at least we have Eastern at home. Uh, that would be tough if we had to go to Eastern, to, uh, to Provo, and, and to Ogden. But uh, uh, so we need to be in a position uh, to where we have a chance to make the playoffs and or win the conference, which is going to be very tough. Um, you know, in the last two years, uh, let's see, we lost our last two this year. The year before, we lost our last three. We got we to gotta do a better job of finishing and that's where that's where we need to be just uh, in, in a position where where the kid where, where where there's still hope in the season. So last question for you, Coach. If we had to compare Idaho State to an NFL team, assuming North Dakota State is a New England Patriots, where would you put Idaho State? I would. Well, I would say offensively. Uh, who knows? Kansas City. <laughs> you talking about a program, right? Where are we? And and Kansas City. First one comes up to me is Kansas City Chiefs. But, uh, you know, I don't watch the NFL a whole heck of a lot because we don't get a chance to. Uh, you know, who's a mid-level NFL team that, you know, is, is, is flirting with being on the upper echelon of things? That's kind of, you know, and, and I know the Chiefs had a, had a great year last year. That's that's first thing that comes to my mind. I'm okay. just thinking about offense, you know, what offense, what we do. Um, so I'm trying to think who's a mid-level you know, one of those mid-level teams that, that's ready to ready to move up into the upper echelon. Yeah, maybe so. like the Bears or like one of these Oh, I can't say that. The, the people pick on the Bears <laughs> way too much. So uh, San Diego Chargers, L.A. Rams, I don't, I okay. don't know. Uh, that's my – or San Diego Chargers there. How about that? Or yeah. a Freudian slip right there. <laughs> They'll uh, always be San Diego. Yeah, they are, they're always – yeah. Just Well, just like the Rams are always the L.A. Rams. I never heard of the St. Louis Rams. I don't know who that <laughs> bunch is. So, We're good. Uh, yeah, Kansas City Chiefs offensively, I, I would hope. All right, good answer. <laughs> hey, Coach, good luck with this season, and uh, thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks, man. All right, thanks to head coach Rob Fennessy from the Idaho State Bengals for sitting down with our Bear Tycoon. Up next, we have him. He's on a little bit of a heater. It's Montana Parlay with Parlay's Picks. Welcome to another edition of Parlay's Picks. This is Montana Parlay. Last week, we started off the conference season hot going for two for two, hitting a three-way parlay and our biggest bet of the year. We now sit at 140 minties. But that doesn't mean we have to risk the whole bankroll this week. I don't like a whole lot of matchups and anything can happen. Let's first start with Montana State at Cal Poly where the Bobcats are six-point favorites. Montana State should be able to run the ball easily against Cal Poly's porous defense but I wasn't able to see how good Cal Poly's passing game was due to the wind last week in their matchup against Southern Utah. That spread is a stay away for me. Idaho State travels to the Grizzlies where Montana's hot off their big win at UC Davis. Odds makers have the spread at seven and a half, and again, that's a stay away for me. Idaho State can put up some points. 
So let's take a look at a matchup that everyone will be looking at. Sac State is hosting Eastern Washington, where Sac State surprisingly are one and a half point favorites. That tells me that the bookkeepers know Sac State is good, and I think they should win this game. I'm going to risk only 10 minties on a little parlay here. Sac State to cover and the game to go over 62 and a half in what could potentially be a shootout. 10 minties to win 25. That'll do it for this week's picks. Good luck to all you gamblers out there. And make sure to give us a follow at Montana Parlay and at Big Sky Podcast Network. All right, thanks to Montana Parlay for his picks this week. Go make that money on five dimes. There's a lot of other betting accounts out there on Twitter now, but you know, you know which one to trust. I saw one on there last week that went like two and six. Oh, that's pretty good. So if it's not if it's not part of Montana Parlay, do not listen to them. Yeah, we cannot a lot guarantee. lot of imitators out there. We cannot guarantee anyone else but Mon- Montana Parlay. But Montana Parlay. So... Let's go a quick around the Big Sky. We talked about the games from last week. We want to look at what's coming up on the Big Sky this week. We start out with the afternoon slate of games. We have UC Davis at North Dakota. We have Idaho State at Montana for homecoming. We have Southern Utah traveling to Portland State in the game that nobody cares about. We have Weber State at Idaho in the game that could be really funny. We have Northern Colorado at NAU, a frisky Northern Colorado team. We haven't said that in a couple years. Northern Colorado traveling to Flagstaff, Northern Arizona. Montana State going down to San Luis Obispo to play Cal Poly. And then we have Eastern Washington coming over to Northern California to play Sacramento State. Which games are peaking your interest? Sac State, Eastern Washington, for sure. Um, this is, I think it's going to answer two questions for us of, you know, is Eastern actually struggling? Is Sacramento State as frisky as we think they might be? Let's find out. This we're gonna find out on uh, on Saturday, and it's a late game, which yeah, I that, love. Yep. Watch the whole thing. Yeah, that's gonna be a Pluto game. It's gonna be a late game. It's gonna be under the lights in Sacramento. It's gonna give a lot of time for the 340 fans that they'll have to get boozed up, mm-hmm. nice and loud against Eastern Washington. But I think that's the that's a pretty obvious game that everybody in the biggest guys gonna be watching. It's two kind of unknowns, a team that's been traditionally known and and has maybe backed off a little bit in Eastern, and a team that. Some people we're talking about could have been a you know a frisky team with their new coaching staff. And one thing to look at is Sacramento State does have a quite a few former Eastern Washington coaches. So that'll be really interesting to see kind of how they game plan for Eastern, having that close of a connection. And then the other game that I think is really intriguing for me is that UC Davis at North Dakota. Seeing how UC Davis responds to that you know drubbing by the Grizz, North Dakota was on that fringe of being a top twenty-five team into heading into last week and then got trounced by Eastern Washington. So I do want to see kind of how both of those teams are going to react to those losses when they're feeling pretty good about themselves, especially UC Davis coming off of a North Dakota State respectable game. So I think I'm going to watch that one pretty closely to see what kind of team UC Davis is uh, coming up this weekend. Yeah, one, one other thing to add on the the Sacramento State game, which I forgot, I was just looking at their schedule, though. They're coming off a bye week, um, and so they not only do they have two weeks to prepare for Eastern Washington – uh, but Troy Taylor, new coach, trying to make a statement. When he looked at his schedule at the beginning of the year, he knows that he's going Eastern at Montana State. 
Um, and then Montana's coming to Sacramento. Three tough games. He knows he's got to get a win in game one. I think they're going to be super prepared. I have a lot of faith in Troy Taylor uh, as a coach. So uh, I like Eastern, but I kind of get why the line was was a little weird where they had Sac. I was surprised by that. I was surprised by it too, but... Sac State was favored by one and a half uh, when, when Five Dimes originally posted their lines. Yeah, which seems crazy, but once you start looking at it, looking at their schedule, you can kind of see how they got there. Um, Isn't that crazy? It's crazy to actually say that Sacramento state was favored is favored in going into this game. I love it. Did you ever think that you would again, ever say Sacramento state was favored against Eastern Washington? No. And I wish that like I had some, yeah, I can make fun of Eastern Washington fans, but I truly don't know any Eastern Washington, despite being good. We know one Kyler. But despite being very Kyler good, <laughs> uh, they just don't have a big fan base. It's pretty pathetic. So I'm sorry, Kyler. I feel bad for you. Um, one other stat. Sorry, I should have brought this up in the Montana-Idaho State game. But just to go back to this real quick, one thing that's really jumped out to me, Idaho State, red zone offense, highest percentage of success in the Big Sky Conference, 100% through four games. Also, that's pretty good. Also has the lowest number of red zone appearances at seven. Well, they're making the most of their opportunities when they do get there. Yeah. A couple fun stats. Cal Poly worst in the red zone, by the way, 61%. <laughs> Good. Good. Even though most of NAU's scores came outside the red zone last week. Yeah. That's... Unfortunately, <laughs> they didn't really have to get to the red zone to score on us in that first half, but yeah, that changes things. That's all right. It does change things quite a bit. So it's a pretty good slate of games coming up this weekend. Um, four of them, actually. I mean, half of them are good. I'd also but, you like... Know, if you can get half of them. Guess what? I, I'd also kind of like Northern Colorado to beat Northern Arizona. I'm sick. Not happening. I'm sick, though, of having to pretend that Northern Arizona is good. Like, we all love Case Cookies. And they have pieces of being good, but they just can't figure it out. Right, like, yeah, I don't think Northern Colorado is going to win that game. I just, I'm tired. It's October, and we keep saying like, well, I don't know what Northern Arizona is made of. I think it's because their uniforms are kind of cool too. Yeah, they do. They they might have the because like the they do, and it has Northern Arizona on the front of those white jerseys, and then like the Northern Arizona looks like someone from the equipment team like went and did highlighter over them. Yeah, no, it's cool. They're super cool. I love their uniforms. Unless the Grizz are wearing their throwbacks, uh, Northern Arizona might have the best uniforms in the league. They might be. Yeah, they're pretty tight. Yeah, so. And then, you know, you can find a little bit of love in some of these crappy games, and it has to be. We talked about it. Weber State at Idaho. If Idaho could somehow pull this off oh yeah, at home, people forget they beat Eastern Washington at home. They just can't go on the road, baby. <laughs> people forget. Um, so, so Idaho, you know, who are you? Who, here's what I want out of that game. The Grizz kickoff at 1 o'clock. I'll be monitoring that score. When the Grizz game ends, I want Weber State, Idaho to be close enough where I can flip it over to... To flip it over to that, yeah. for sure. Actually, no. It's, yeah. it's, it's 2 o'clock Pacific time. So that means... No, the Grizz game is at 1 o'clock Mountain Time, and then the um, Idaho Weber, game, Idaho game is going to be at 3 p.m. 3 p.m. Mountain time. Even better. All right, so it'll be about half time. I got thrown off by the Big Sky conference how they have these times laid out well sometimes you have mountain standard time sometimes you have mountain daylight time like that northern arizona game is going to be in mountain daylight time oh great point whereas whereas the montana game is gonna be montana mountain standard time so you know it's hard yeah 
I get great that. point. Great point. Oh, other fun so, fact. Other fun fact. Uh, Ty Gregorak is calling the Montana game. Oh yeah, yeah. He's back at Root Sports. Yeah. So that's interesting. Got that going. I don't have Root Sports, so I'm gonna have to have someone tell me how it goes. Yeah. He he does not like us for some reason. Well, no. But he can't be any worse than Chris Byers and the O'Callahan guy. I did <laughs> hear some highlights. I did hear some highlights from the. I was at the game, so I obviously wasn't listening to them. But I heard some highlights, and God, they are awful. Yeah. God awful. Could be better. And there's the reason why my parents brought me up on Q2 and not Color 8. Chris Byers is horrible. And that would that's a very Billings inside thing right there. You wouldn't get it. Yeah, I don't Q2 get it. Q2 was way better than Color 8 growing up. Got it. It's like Chris Byers was probably one of the reasons. Got it. <laughs> it's like the old uh, Fred Pfeiffer and Dick Pompa rivalry for Great Falls Weathermen back in the early 90s. Yeah, big. People remember. Big, big and topical. People people still talk about that one. Yeah. Uh, All right, so we, <laughs> we've we devolved into dueling news channels in Billings and Great Falls Market. So with that, I think we're good with Around the Big Sky. Do you have any other parting shots for that Not for Around segment? the Big Sky. No, sir. Okay. So like we said last week, we did sunset the watch party for a little while. Mm -hmm. Um, One small note, uh, I did communicate with Alex Singleton today via um, a a tweet. Whoa, not to brag. That a boy. Not to brag. He he still remembers me. I asked him, hey, would you like to see the FCS on game day? He responded back, duh. (laughs) You fucking dork, did he? (laughs) And then he did. No, it was like a hey and then at Alex Singleton 49 so that like everybody could see it. That's so embarrassing. What? But I, the reason I was doing it for engagement, I was doing it for the FCS uh-huh. because I thought, hey, if Alex likes it and then he retweets it, he has way more followers than me, and he's verified. Mm-hmm. So my goal was to get as many verified behind this movement as possible. So it was a very unselfish move by me. Yeah. But it also gave me, you know, he still he still sees my my tweets. He hasn't blocked me yet for being uh, creepy and obsessive. God, he might after today. Well, that's if he listens to this, and I have a feeling he doesn't. But, <laughs> I hope he doesn't. But we're, but we're still giving to me, for God, sake. me too, for my sake. Uh, but we're still BFF, so that's my little watch party on his and my online uh, happenings. Good. Well, we may uh, hopefully we get some XFL rosters coming out soon, so we can have some Osweiler updates. But um, I do have something I want to bring up before we end the podcast, not Montana related. But it's something I've been thinking about a lot. So, Go on. all right. Over the weekend, just happened to watch the movie The Mighty Ducks. Remember the early 90s oh, yeah. hockey Knuckle movie? Knuckle Puck Time. Great movie. Great flick. Well, I remember it being a great flick. Do you do you ever see geese flying in a flying V and think of that movie of immediately? Of course. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. I was, I was hoping it wasn't just me. Um, Today, just by coincidence, 27th anniversary of when that film was released. I say film, not movie, when that film was released 27 years ago today. I remember the movie being a, a heroic comeback story. This good guy coach brings this ragtag group of kids to the, to the state championship or city championship. It's unclear. District championship. Uh, but looking at it now as an adult, Gordon, Gordon Bombay, their coach, is an absolute lunatic. Mess. Can I just run through just just facts from the movie? Facts from yeah. the movie. And yes, you think may. you, Nate, 
you are listener think about if this was someone you knew okay gordon bombay you know had a tough childhood his dad died when he was young no fault on him but it's something that's always haunted him uh about a month ago i'm speaking as though i'm i'm in the movie okay about a month ago okay as though in the movie as though i'm in the movie he He's a big lawyer, big law firm. He's asked to take a leave of absence because he got arrested for a DUI. Like, oh, that's hard. But the firm, being good citizens, they put him on paid leave to figure his shit out. And they get him hooked up with a community service program where he's coaching youth sports. He somehow turns this into a negative situation for most of the movie. He tries to get the kids to cheat. The parents come and yell at him because he's trying to get the kids to cheat in his first game. He starts dating one of the kids' moms, Charlie's mom. Uh, this is like after the third game, so that's four weeks tops, maybe. Moving fast. Moving, Moving fast. fast. He asks her to if he, he hints about wanting to move in with her and Charlie. This is that like the three to four week mark in a relationship? This is also in the movie the first time they're ever alone together. They leave Charlie at the house and go walk around this festival. He, he hints he kind of wants to move in with them. He says some pretty racist things. There's a couple uh, African-American kids on the team and a white player. He calls them his Oreo line. Um, he gets weirdly obsessed with the team. He drops almost $10,000 on equipment for like, this peewee league hockey team. And then the kicker, there's this guy, th- this kid, this 12-year-old kid who is on another team, but he looks at how the teams are laid out, the geographic regions, this kid should be on his team. This poor kid, Adam Banks, all of his friends are on the other team. But Gordon Bombay, being the lawyer he is, throws a shit fit, gets Adam Banks brought back to his team. Midway through the season, he has to leave all his friends. He comes to this team. Gordon Bombay forces him here. All right, This kid's dad is a client of Bombay's firm. It's like, obviously his boss, who's been, who's got a, above and beyond to help him giving him paid leave hooking him up with this program he intervenes is like come on gordon let's sit down me you the dad the coach of the other team let's figure this out like this is completely unreasonable instead of like being a normal person and when you watch the scene as an adult it's hilarious because everyone else in the room is just looking at each other uh gordon bombay has a fit he starts yelling. He starts talking about teamwork. He's like kind of mumbling to himself. He starts quacking at his boss and like running around the room. And his boss, to his credit, still doesn't fire him. And he's like, are you really going to give up your job? Which is probably a six-figure job. Are you really going to give up your job to like win this argument about getting Adam Banks on your peewee hockey team? And he's like, yeah. He yeah. loses his job. Because he cares about the kids. If this was Montana Parlay... And I was describing it. We would have an intervention. He wouldn't be employed with Montana men. No, it's he's a lunatic. The only way you can describe it is an absolute lunatic. I have to go watch. I I do have to go watch that movie again after you gave me this synopsis. And looking back on it, I may have thought he was in a hero, a coach that brought the kids together and won a in a district championship. But I need I need to go back and watch this so that I can see these insanities that he was doing yeah well anyways that that's what happens when we don't have a watch party um yeah so, if so there's, please god people start playing sports yeah or if there's any other early to mid 90s movies you want nate and i to watch and review at the end of the podcast just let us know i think the next one i'll do is rookie of the year 
Oh, I bet you that one holds up. That definitely that one has up. that one has some scenes. Yeah, I can relate to the manager. He doesn't know how to pronounce his last name. Rowan Gardner. <laughs> All right, man. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, that is how you end a show, right there. I like it. Thanks to uh, thanks for Rob Fantasy. Great interview. Yeah, and thanks and thanks to Lainey Lou and the Bird Docs for playing us in and for playing us out. And thanks for uh, the Finland for maybe taking us back someday. F I N L E N dot com. We love you, Finland. All right, we love you guys. See you guys.